from Cleveland, Ohio. This is the Cleveland Stage Podcast with your hosts, Tyler Whitten and Ian Wolfgang Hins. All right, hello everybody. This is the Cleveland Stage Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tyler Whitten, Associate Artistic Director of Ensemble Theater here in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, along with my co-host, Ian Hens, also a director here at Ensemble Theater. And we are, today are going to be talking about the upcoming 38th season for Ensemble Theater, uh, which of course was started 38 years ago uh, by Lucia Colombi, who um, started the theater really as, a, uh, as an avenue for producing American classic works, right? Specifically I mean, Eugene O'Neill, yeah. Eugene O'Neill, yeah. I mean, yeah. she was kind of, I don't want to use the word obsessed, because I don't think I've ever met her, and I wasn't here when I started the theater. <laughs> But they, we've done the entire Eugene O'Neill catalog here at some point or another, right? Pretty, pretty close. I mean, there's still a few that we're trying to pick up because, uh, you know, he's got some that are about nine nine hours long. We haven't quite hit those yet. Sure. Uh, yes, yeah, she, you know, she read um, some of Eugene O'Neill's work when, when uh, she was pregnant with her first daughter and uh, decided to start a theater as the story, as the story was told to me by her. Um, and, and along the way, she also um, was an artistic director at Caramu, House here in, in Cleveland, and uh, so there was some Ethel Fugard that was mixed in there. Uh, Bonzi is dead, you know. Some of some of those plays that have a, a very contemporary uh, message mm-hmm. to them. And uh, I think what's interesting as we as we break down uh, the season for Ensemble is, and we've talked about this, right? It's like the evolution of this theater company. And I think when a theater company has been around for as long as Ensemble has, and while thirty eight years. To laymen may not seem like a long time. In theater world, that's a long time for a theater company to be around. I mean, this is like three times longer than Shakespeare was writing plays. That's essentially, right. your favorite. We have outlasted Shakespeare. Your favorite, Will uh, Shakespeare. And I think what ha- well, <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but I think um, you know, I think like any business, in order to survive that long, but especially creative business, in order to, in order to survive that long in the arts, being able to adapt, right, yeah. and being able to, and not just adapt as a business model, but being able to adapt to the contemporary times, or being able to adapt to the environment with which you are creating, or with which you are performing. In this case, and I think this season is a nice mix of that. We've, we, you know, Lucia passed away a few years ago. Her daughter Celeste Cosentino took over as a, as artistic director, and with the help of Ian here, uh, you know, ensemble has really moved not away from the classics. You know, we've we've clinged on to even more contemporary, modern classics, as we like to say, and I think that's a that's a it's an important part. Yeah, I think it's become inclusive, right? Which is always the idea behind uh, ensemble to begin with was uh, to be an inclusive organization, and I think that it's it's still. Um, presents some of the most important American classics that are out there. For example, Death of a Salesman a, a couple years ago, or The Iceman Cometh. Those are the kind of plays you're still going to see in ensemble. But it's also moved into to the realm of what's gonna, what makes a good script? What what has the potential to become another American classic? And let's look at a, at a few plays that are, are maybe contemporary American classics now. And I think also us leaning towards uh, creating new work and providing an avenue for playwrights, especially local playwrights, to have their voices heard, you know, I think that also uh, that's also a really great thing that we're doing, and hopefully we're going to continue to move on uh, with that in mind. So it's not just so when you hear 
some theaters who do we're just doing the classics you know we're doing the classics but we're also redefining what it means to be a classic play i think yeah i think i've always thought of it as a, as a way to look at the um the classics take what you've learned from them study them what it, what makes them a classic apply them to contemporary plays maybe written by other people and say okay this has the potential this is a lot of the similar features and and ideas behind it is some of the classics and then to to help create new works for the American stage that also have the potential of becoming classics. I think it's a very uh, unified mission in that in that sense because uh, it's a very similar process uh, to understanding, you know, why why things are classic and why things have lasted and stood the test of time like like the theater has too. So. And I think even with the focus being let's speak to our, our community, Right, and I think a perfect example of this is August Wilson's play that we did last year. Uh, when we did Radio Golf, this is a play that is set in Pittsburgh, yeah. but Cleveland and Pittsburgh are not very different no. at all. And this is a play that, even though it was quote unquote set in Pittsburgh, it could have been set in really in any midwestern Rust Belt city. And I think it, it still spoke to Cleveland. Yeah, and I think it's specifically for that that play, you know, it deals with. The legacy of the African American community in these Rust Belt towns, um, you know that that really uh, was founded uh, on the Great Migration, right? And 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 August Wilson deals with that and, and plays like um, the piano lesson. I love that play. Yeah, it's a great play. But I mean, that's you know that's the time period of, of that he's talking about. Right. This Great Migration. Uh, aspect of that African American culture, and I think that you see that a lot in Cleveland, and I think that's really informed the work here. So, um, specifically, you know, it's about finding the things that are common am- among all of us and, and what makes us human. And I think the theme for this season being "We the People" uh, certainly speaks to that. Yeah. As we begin, and right now we're just starting rehearsals on the first play for this season, uh, which is "Well." Uh, written by Lisa Crone, who is from Michigan. Hmm. Um, and she's most known now for having written the books and lyrics to Fun Home, the Broadway smash hit. <laughs> uh, but Well is actually one of my all-time favorite plays. I mean, I would put it up there in my top two or three favorite plays. Yeah, uh, And I remember reading it for the first time uh, eight years ago this month and thinking this is the kind of theater I want to do. Wow. Uh, and here we are. Um, now we're doing it. And I think this is a play uh, that does speak to the community, right? There's, it's about a woman who's grappling with her relationship with her mother and her mother's illnesses and how she had the same illnesses growing up but then realized how to make herself better. But it, the, what parallels that storyline within the play is the story about her mother integrating their neighborhood and really trying to make the community better, mm-hmm. which I think is a key component of any great art. And here we have a play that puts that literally on stage. Uh, and I think it, it's one of the things that makes it incredibly approachable for the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and I think what's great about it, too, is that Celeste has really um, established a great cast. Yeah, I mean, this is incredible. I mean, it's a it's a kind of a who's who of, of Cleveland actors that I think our listeners will, will recognize, you know, starting with the, the main character, Lisa, it's going to be played by uh, Lara Milkerick, and I think you guys will recognize her from Ohio Shakespeare Festival and uh, from uh, shows at Beck Center and Obama. You know, her mother Anne uh, is going to be played by Laura Starnick, 
who uh, our listeners will recognize from All the Way at the Cleveland Playhouse. She mm-hmm. played Lady Bird. And uh, she's been at shows at Caramu and Oberlin. And, uh, and her she, husband was in my play, Occupation Dad. That's right. Daryl. Daryl was an Occupation Dad. And Laura's uh, done, uh, done a show here uh, before. So it's, you know, uh, Prelude to a Kiss, which is a great, a great thing. So, you know, April Needham, who's a... Who's a New to Ensemble, this is her Ensemble debut, but we're excited uh, that she's in the show. And Maya Jones, who's also uh, making her Ensemble debut. Uh, Brian Kenneth Armour, who uh, people that make the trip down to Akron uh, will will recognize um, from None Too Fragile. Uh, so we're excited that he's doing the show. And Craig Joseph, who's also making their Ensemble debut, yeah. but people are going to recognize him. Um, you know, And he'll, be, he'll, he'll also be in uh, Angels in America later in the season as well. So I think, you know, that cast coupled with the story, like you were saying, um, and, and the message of the story is really a great way to start the season. Yeah, it's a different kind of play. Um, you know, the fourth wall sort of is non-existent in a lot of ways. And it's funny. It's got a lot it's of funny. Heart. It is funny. I it's mean, very funny I've read this play who knows how many <laughs> dozens of times, and I was still laughing in the mm-hmm. uh, in our read-throughs. Mm-hmm. And that's of course is going to be directed by our, our our executive artistic director Celeste Cosentino, and that opens September 29th and runs through October 22nd. That's going to be our opening play. That's well by Lisa Crone. That will be followed up by the man we were just talking about, Eugene O'Neill, and his play The Hairy Ape, directed by you, Ian. Yeah, uh, this is the uh, third Eugene O'Neill play that I've had the the opportunity to direct, and I also uh, worked with Celeste when she directed Beyond the Horizon, um, and I, I did uh, I did the set and projection design for that, but I did um, uh, the Iceman Cometh, uh, which was probably a <laughs> a, a, a strange undertaking for the first for the first Eugene O'Neill play to have to have nineteen actors up there. On I mean, stage for people who don't long. know Eugene O'Neill, and maybe they've heard the title, "The Iceman Cometh" is like a whale of a play. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's massive. Yeah, it's, it's not just massive in 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 well in, in size. Like, yeah, there were nineteen actors. Or I thought we had even more than that. Maybe twenty. I forget yeah. now. <laughs> uh, but it's also massive in scope and yeah. the the just the way the story is being told and the themes being brought up. I mean, it. I was it was a four hour play and I was amazed. Not amazed. I was happy <laughs> that so many people. Like I always say in theater, it's not who shows up, it's who stays till the yeah. end. And yeah. we kept nearly like everybody. Yeah, I, I think it was a great production, and that was a lot like well this year that that show was some something that had so many wonderful Cleveland actors in it. I mean, mm-hmm. just amazingly talented people were in that show, as, as is the case here. And to me. And, and I was Mosher there. was amazing. He was uh, <laughs> truly the 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 uh, iconic Moshers. Was you don't about. see a lot of Moshers done like that. No, no, you don't. You don't. You don't, for a reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. And so, you know, to have the opportunity to direct O'Neill again and to keep working on his catalog and to, to follow... Kind of in the footsteps of, of Lucia, and uh, keep that mission going. I think is really important um, for for Celeste and I. And uh, the Harry Ape is a great play. It really is. It's not quite four hours. So <laughs> it's a shorter it's play, a, right? It's a shorter play. Yeah, it's it's it, it comes in about ninety minutes. It's eight scenes. It's it's earlier on his, in his career, um, and he. Uh, essentially was uh, exploring expressionism at the time that was the big movement in in the art world 
And so it's a pretty standard uh, eight-scene expressionist play, which he he ripped uh, he ripped off from German expressionism in a way and made his own, and a, and a uniquely American story about a man and uh, where does he, where he fits in, Yanks, guy that works in the in the bowels of a of a steamship shoveling coal, and uh, he's this big muscular hulking man that is. Um, Someone who who tries to think sometimes, but maybe has a little bit of a hard time. But I think we all recognize our our own humanity in him and and his his journey to try to figure out where he fits in in this world. Um, maybe is is he sees us being controlled by a class that he's not part of. Yeah, and I think especially nowadays with the rise of attention being given to the classism in this country and beyond, um, the attention given to uh, the economic disparity. I think this play is incredibly relevant now, which I think is the mark of a really classic play. Yeah, and and I think you know they just there was just a production on Broadway. Oh yeah, uh, with Bobby Carnavale, uh, that got a lot of, of press. So you know it's it's interesting how Eugene O'Neill keeps coming back. Mm. <laughs> he doesn't sure. quite go away because the the dialogue is so strong and the stories are so relevant. I think people see themselves and the people that they know around them. I mean, The Hairy Ape is really about a laborer, somebody that uh, you know could have worked just as easily in a steel mill here in Cleveland mm-hmm. and have lost his his job and tried to figure out how do they how does he repair his life? You know, where does he fit in? You know, he wants to 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 be part of of something, but he doesn't know exactly what that is anymore because what he thought was secure and and safe. Yeah, is and take, I think in a away. city like Cleveland that's sort of redefining itself. Uh, as we have been doing, like as many of the Iron Belt cities have had to do. It's, it's that. So that's The Harry Eight by Eugene O'Neill being directed by Ian here, opening November 17th and running through December 10th here at Ensemble Theatre. And we're going to follow that up with a, an adaptation of The Little Prince. This one's for the kiddos. Yeah, so this is uh, the third or fourth uh, children's show that we've done here at Ensemble. We started off with... Um, the Neverending Story, mm-hmm. a stage adaptation of that book, and, and a lot of uh, the listeners will remember the movie, which was uh, kind of an iconic sure. movie from, from my youth, anyway. Um, I'm not that much older than you. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, The Little Prince is, you know, it's another great uh, story about imagination and what it, what it means to be human and the humanity that we all share, and it's, it's a classic it's a classic story in and of itself that that's been adapted to the stage. It's going to be directed by uh, Brittany Shambaugh Addison, who uh, also directed um, our children's play last year, the uh, Tol- the Phantom the Toll Phantom Tollbooth, which was was really a great. It was great. great. My my four year old loved it. Yeah, and I I think that's the thing, right? You can bring your 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 family to the to the theater for this. It's really for all ages. I mean, he was like legit mad that there was an intermission. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's you know that's great. I, I think that's that's what theater should do, right? It should cultivate the the next generation of mm-hmm. of audience members and 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 thinking people. And I think that there's music with this play, so it's a it's a play with music and uh, it tells a great story. Um, I think a lot of a lot of children love the movie, so I think. They'll, they'll be able to get into the play uh, that way as well. It'll be a familiar story for them. And that's The Little Prince, which we'll be playing in our playground space, opening December 1st and running through December 17th. And then we follow that up with uh, what I think what we would all agree is a modern classic, 
which is Angels in America Part 1 Millennium Approaches by Tony Kushner, being directed by Celeste Cosentino. That's opening January 5th and running through January 28th. Now here's a play uh, when we talk about scope and the size of things being epic. We did Iceman Cometh a few years ago. Last year we did Jerusalem, and now we're not backing down and just going <laughs> right into it with Angels in America. Yeah, and I agree. I, I think that maybe more than any other um, contemporary play, Angels in America is uh, an American classic. And I think that you see that um, in in all of the issues that are in that play, you know, being a, a gay fantasia on national themes, those national themes are still very relevant mm-hmm. about identity and who do we love and how do we deal with loss and who do, how do we find out who we really are and what does that mean, you know, to our humanity? What does it mean to the to the people that we love? Yeah, I mean, these are fortunate. these are people who are living in, at a time when there was uh, there was a big storm coming, and they didn't, they couldn't quite grasp what it was yet. You know, yeah. they were still trying to understand what this AIDS epidemic was and how, and they were getting affected by it right away. And I think that's you know that's a that's a very deep human fear, which is uh, you know something that spanned all humanity since the beginning of time, which is, you know, what is this thing that's happening and something I can't control? Yeah, and it was disproportionately affecting, you know, the, the gay community mm-hmm. in a way that I think was was so, you know, I mean, when you think about it today, we think about, you know, how, how dealing with loss is, is tough no matter when it happens. But at this time, there were literally people that were losing their entire friend structure, mm-hmm. which had become their family, you know, because of the fact that they were maybe ostracized. So they were losing all of these people that they loved and they couldn't do anything about it. And it was profoundly, um, profoundly troubling for them and for all of us in a lot of ways, I think. And it just reading it again, looking at it again, um, you know, with, with that with that perspective is is really just proven that Tony Kushner has written a, a classic play. Yeah. And again, that's opening January 5th, Angels in America, Part 1, Millennium Approaches. We're going to follow that up with you directing again. You really got yourself a busy <laughs> dance card here with Charles Smith's Jelly Belly. Now, Charles has been a mentor of mine and yours for over 20 years now. <clears throat> uh, we produce a, quite a few of his plays here. He's mostly known as a quote-unquote Chicago playwright. Yep. Uh, this is certainly a Chicago play. But again, like we discussed um, with some of our previous productions here, Radio Golf, for example, of last year, sure. you know, this is a play that's universal, especially when you consider uh, the themes and the neighborhoods that this play lives in. These are neighborhoods here in Cleveland. These yeah. are neighborhoods in Detroit. These are also neighborhoods in Pittsburgh, St. Louis, New York. Um, you know, and I think that's one of the great things about this play. And again, like the plays that we're doing this season. There's a big theme about how do I adapt to this changing world around me. Yeah, and and, and uh, who are we again as people, right? How do we do, how do we value ourselves? Like in Angels in America, you know, the value systems of a society are are challenged, and in this play, the value systems of of a man, Mike, the main character, is is, is challenged. You know, he wants to 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 live a life that has meaning, and he wants to help. Uh, raise his his young family and and uh, you know that's that world is upset when the the neighborhood drug kingpin comes yeah, what, back. I mean, what is this play? What's the story here? For so it's about it. it's about a young it's about a young African American family in in a in a pretty much predominantly African American community, and 
Uh, Mike is a construction worker. He goes to work every day, and he, he wants to, you know, build his life in a way that has meaning to him by by investing in hard work. And Kenny, who is one of his uh, kind of younger co-workers at, at, construction, at the construction firm, he's kind of taken him under his wing and taught him, hey, you know what, this is a, a, a viable way for you to be a, you know, a human being that can make a difference in the world, and you, you can do it, you know, through hard work and, and dedication. Um, but, you know, th- that is challenged in a lot of ways. That's challenged because we find out at the beginning that Mike was passed over for a um, promotion. Uh, you know, it was given to a young white man who was just out of college. And, you know, and Kenny asks him if he's upset about that. And that's kind of how it kicks off. And Mike says, no, you know what, I'm not upset about that. I'm just going to keep doing what I do and do what I can control. And then we find out that uh, there's a drug kingpin that's just getting out of jail that day. And his, his uh, street name's Jelly Belly. And Mike has a, a history with, with Jelly. And so uh, the story really progresses from there. And it involves his family. And it, and it really examines, you know, w- what is it, what is it to, to be a person that uh, chooses hard work over maybe a quick buck? And, uh, you know, what are the pressures on, on African-American men to become uh, gangsters within their own community? What, what pressures are put on them by the people that live around them? And uh, how, do you, how do you fight that? You know, Jelly tries to recruit Kenny back to a life of, of drug running and, 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 uh, and crime, and, and Mike tries to, to stave that off. So I think that's, it's really an interesting exploration of, of what, what that segment of you know, their community deals with. And Charles has uh, long been considered probably one of the country's foremost uh, historical writers, uh, but I think this is a great example of him uh, touching on a life that he's familiar with or a world that he's really familiar with and lived in in himself. Uh, he's also uh, just had some recent success again. He's, he's had a play produced really every year for the last 20 years. <laughs> Uh, but he just had a play, uh, his new play, which I think was his first like non-commissioned play mm-hmm. um, that he wrote just for himself, and uh, had a lot of success. Objects in the Mirror had a lot of success at the Goodman Theater in Chicago, nominated for numerous Jeff Awards for him and the actors. Uh, I'm sure it'll have a future on bigger stages even. And, uh, so, you know, Charles, again, is riding the wave, man. I read an interview with David Mamet not that long ago where he listed Charles as his favorite playwright. Really? Yeah. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah. So this is Jelly Belly by Charles Smith, directed by Ian, and that opens February 9th through February 25th on the main stage here at Ensemble. And uh, the month of March is going to be our seventh annual. Wow. Columbia New Play Festival, uh, which I remember starting the first one with, the, with everybody here and organizing that, and I think it's come, it's come a long way in a good way. Seven uh, years. Geez. It was a, it was, it's a daring project, I think. In the, spe- I mean, look, a lot of people are producing new plays, and that's great, and we encourage that, and we want that, and we especially want that here in Cleveland. Uh, but I think what we're doing that's unique is that we're making it a month-long event. You know, we'll have our main stage production of Mama Moon by Tom Frattari. Yeah. Uh, but we'll also have a month uh, of readings and of new plays from local Cleveland playwrights, and we're going to have these readings dispersed throughout the city uh, in different locales, uh, and I think it's a really exciting event and hopefully something that will continue to grow on the path that we're growing and, and hopefully encourage more uh, local writers to, con- to find their voice for the stage. Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's important to give this opportunity to the, the community 
you know, every every Wednesday we have a, a free um, workshop called Stage Rights uh, Workshop, and uh, people come and and they just share part of their work, and and we discuss uh, you know structure and and what what uh, we get from what they've written. Uh, you know, you can be an actor, you can be a director, you can just be an audience member that likes to 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 discuss theater and come to those every every Wednesday from seven to nine o'clock. So and that's really that was really the foundation of this and that started way back uh at at the Cleveland Heights uh public library. Mm-hmm. You know, Nancy Levin was was nice enough to to give us some space there and so look at what it's grown into, which is really really an amazing thing. Um I just I think, you know, I I'm excited to see what you do with, you know, the the Columbia New Place Festival now that that, that you're back from your your travels in southeastern Ohio <laughs> to see to see how that you know how that's going to influence it. I think it's going to be a, a whole new uh, era for for the new place here at, at Ensemble, and I and I can't believe it's been seven years. It's been seven really great years of of new plays. And Mama Moon's a, a great play about uh, Mama Cass from the Mamas and the Papas, and, and Keith Moon, uh, the original drummer for the cla- or for, for the Who for the Who, and uh, you know it turns out that they both died in the same apartment. And Tom Furtari took that that uh, kernel of an idea and really wrote a, a really interesting and in, engaging new work. And Tom's been great. He's been a dramaturg for us on plays like Jerusalem and The Iceman Cometh. Um, he was another Ohio University uh, playwriting graduate. He got his MFA there. And he works for you know another lo- local arts organization um, here in, in, in town in Apollo's Fire. And so... Uh, it's just really great to to have all of that crossover uh, with with people from the community and and these relationships that we've been able to develop with playwrights uh, locally and and nationally. You know, has been just really important for the for the growth of the theater. Yeah, again, that's the 2018 Columbia New Play Festival, and that is going through the month of March in 2018. And then we close out the season uh, with Angels in America Part Two Perestroika. Uh, this is Tony Kushner's second part of his mammoth play. Uh, and what I think is so great about doing it, A, you don't really ever see this part produced very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly people just focus on the first part. But B, we're using the same actors. Same actors, people like Deer Ring, um, Jeff Grover, you know, local Cleveland actors, again, that, that everybody's going to recognize. And they the opportunity for them to play the same character in both parts of this play is not something that you see every day. It's not an opportunity that really comes around very often. So I think I think for me personally, I'm really excited to see uh, to see their takes on these characters all the way through the story. And uh, I think the audiences are really going to appreciate that. You know, it's it, it's another big play in and of itself. Part two is, which is why we kind of have that little yeah. gap in between. Just to just to get ready, you know, Scott Esposito is going to be in it. I mean, you're really going to see um, some some really great great Cleveland actors. Yeah, it's exciting. I think this is another example. Uh, and this is something that we've been doing in the last few years, but an example of uh, getting a lot of talent onto our uh, little stage, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I, I think and I think a lot of that credit goes to Celeste. You know, I think she's a really astute um, observer of talent and. She's really good at putting together these just phenomenal casts that are able to tell these stories in a way that is professional and really as good as as anything you're going to see anywhere across the country. Um, and I think it speaks to the to the level of talent that we have here. You know, and Angels in America will, will also have a lot of surrounding activities. I mean, um, the the AIDS task force. Uh, 
at University Hospitals is going to partner with us. We're going to do talkbacks uh, with them. We're going to talk about uh, you know what's what's in the LGBTQ community. What are some of the issues that are going on there, and and really health issue wise, um, and and also you know. What are some of the things culturally that they're dealing with now? And what's what's the difference between when Angels was written and, and where we are now? And how far have we moved? And have we moved far enough? I think those are some of the other things that we're going to explore with, with Angels. So it's, it's, a, it's a big project that's going to be all-encompassing. New plays are going to be written around some of the themes in Angels as well. Um, and that's the other thing that I think Celeste has really done a good job with is kind of tying all of that into the community. So. Yeah, it's a really uh, immersive and... Um you know, like we said, it's it's a community that we're building here and we're expanding on, uh, not just with the artists involved, but with the audience that we're also trying to get involved uh, as well. So that's Angels in America Part 2, Perestroika, opening April 27th, and that will close out our 38th season on May 20th in the main stage. For more information, you can email us at info at ensemble-theater.org. That's theater, R-E. Or you can visit us at EnsembleTheaterClee.org, um, C-L-E for Cleveland. <laughs> uh, again, that's EnsembleTheaterClee.org, or you can call us at 216-321-2930. Again, we'll be doing well, The Hairy Ape, The Little Prince, Angels in America Part 1, Jelly Belly, The New Place Festival, and then Angels in America Part 2. And for those of you maybe listening to this podcast uh, across the country, or worldwide, for example, if you're listening in Guam. Yeah, yeah, we're listening in Guam. One of the great things... I'm huge that, in Guam. We're big. We're bigger than the Beatles. Uh, you know, one of the things we're doing this year, again, is live streaming. So we're going we're gonna to live stream The Hairy Ape, uh, that production. We're going to live stream uh, Mama Moon from the Columbia New Plays Festival along with all of the readings. Um, and I, I think that's a great opportunity. So if, if you don't want to pay the, the airfare to come back to Cleveland, which I don't know why you would want There's to. a lot going on here. We're, we're going to bring Cleveland theater to you because I think it's really important for, for the rest of, of the world uh, to know what kind of talent is here and that, that the art in this town is second to none. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the reasons we started this podcast, too. So if you're out there, this is, you know, if you're out there and you got a project, if you're working in another theater or you're trying to start your own theater or you got some ideas about art in general and you want to come and, and talk to Tyler and I, please uh, send us an email at info at ensemble-theater, that's theater with an R-E, dot O-R-G. And, uh, you know, we'd love to, we'd love to come and, and talk to you and see what you have to say. Great. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Tyler. I'm Ian. And we'll talk to you next time on the Cleveland Stage Podcast. All the world's a stage. Don't, for, don't trip on it. Is that going to be our thing? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>